Um, Enoch must have been a preacher and a prophet because as we read in, in Jude, he's uh, prophesying. And so we don't have a whole lot of information about Enoch and his life and what he did, but this little note helps us to know that he did more than walking with God. Um, he was talking to a group, group of people who needed to know the Lord. Um, and we read in a few chapters out as we get into uh, Noah's time as Enoch was, uh, I mean, Noah was Enoch's great-grandchild. Uh, so we're not talking far removed, just four or five hundred years. Um, and we can learn a little bit about uh, the people that were living at this time when we look at uh, Genesis 6, 1 through 6. Um, verse 1. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and that they took wives for themselves whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever because he is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be uh, 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. Also afterward, uh, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Um, we don't, I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure this was some of what the audience of Enoch's preaching and prophesying was aimed at. Um, uh, it doesn't say exactly when these events started taking place, but I'm guessing that the evil didn't come overnight, that it developed as time went on slowly. Um, and so Enoch was living in an evil, uh, nasty generation pretty much like we live in today. Um, the people really didn't care a whole lot about God. Um, this is out of Court's uh, um, Old Testament book. Um, and he's uh, talking about sin um, and says... Does it sound far-fetched to say that every thought of an unbelieving person uh, is evil? If evil only consists of things like lust, hate, and covetousness, then no. It is not true that all of man's thoughts are evil. Men and women do not always think in those ways. But the Bible teaches 
that the real definition of evil is simply ignoring God, living for ourselves, and doing what we think is best. It is therefore certainly true that the thought on an unsaved man or woman are only evil continually. Men and women have either forgotten God or ignored him. Uh, they are trying to live without him. Um, so with this definition of sin, you can see how all-encompassing sin is in the world we live today and in the time of Enoch. Um, just living a good life, not hurting other people, uh, giving to charity, charities, uh, helping little old ladies across the street, not using foul language, hoping the good things that you do will outweigh the bad. Uh, being better than most people is not a get-out-of-hell-free card. Um, not even walking to the church aisle and saying you love Jesus, uh, going to church every Sunday and Wednesday, saying your prayers every night will keep you out of hell either. Um, well then, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to be saved from sin? Let's look at the story of Noah a couple of generations removed to explain. Um, God created the world perfect uh, when he had Adam and Eve and, and shortly after they arrived they fell into sin and the world is in that mode ever since of uh, living in their sins daily and hourly. Um, Genesis says, verse 5, that every thought of his heart was only evil continually. So man has a problem. Uh, God doesn't allow sin into heaven um, because God is holy. So it looks like a lost cause for man because there's nothing that we can do to get rid of our sin problem. We're all sinners, and God doesn't allow sin into heaven. So we have this problem. Um, in the book of Genesis, God condemns sin, all the sin of the people, and tells the people that he's angry with their sin and has Noah build an ark and has, and has Noah tell the people of the earth that he's going to flood the earth and um, that he's going to have Noah build an ark and they're going to need to get on. Um, and you all know this story. So you know that none of them are going to get on except for Noah and his family. Um, it's kind of a novel idea that God's going to flood the earth because it's never rained at this point in time. And God has Noah built an ark about one and a half times the size of a football field on dry land where it's never rained before. Um, and thusly, the people didn't listen to Noah's message. They ignored him. Uh, and the only people to get on that boat were Noah and his family. Um, 
sort of a side note. When I was growing up, I went to church, but I wasn't a Christian, and my family, none of my family was either. But I remember people teaching the story of Noah. You know, the thing that I remember most about the story of Noah is the animals that got on the ark. They spend a lot of time talking about how they got on two by two and how they got onto the boat and all this and all that. But I don't remember them saying one time anything about the thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, maybe even a million people uh, dying in a flood that they couldn't get out of, that they couldn't get away from the waters all because they wouldn't listen to the message that God had given them. Um, you know, when I was growing up, they made that sort of a cutesy story, and they made it all about the animals uh, and the fact that the animals got on by two by two and all that good fun stuff. But that's not the real message of Noah. Um, The Bible's silent on the exact number that died. Um, but if we look at America, which has been in existence about 400 years, and you look at our population, and you look at the fact that Methuselah alone lived 969 years, and 100 years after he died, uh, then the flood came. So we're talking over 1,000 years uh, we can be talking about lots and lots of people uh, that were shut out when God closed the door on that ark. Um, God spends the next, or uh, Noah spends the next year on the ark before the floodwaters recede and the dry, the land dries out. And I tell you this story not so much for the story itself but for the picture of salvation that it depicts. Um, the world repopulates itself after the flood, and mankind is still has the same problems with sin as it did before. But God has a plan and had a plan in eternity past to save those he chose um, through his son Jesus. The ark is a picture of God's plan of salvation. Uh, just as in Noah's days, all who will be saved must do it God's way. Yeah, he didn't give them 10 different methods of getting saved. He provided one method, and that was to get on the ark. You either got on the ark or you went under. Um, John 14.6 reads, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Boy, God must be narrow-minded. He only provides one way to have fellowship with him. God provides a mediator between man and himself, the God-man Jesus. Um, as I mentioned in the beginning, Man has a sin problem. God hates sin. So man is separated from God. 
God had a plan. He had his son come to the earth and live a sinless life. And after doing that, God laid the sins of the world on an innocent lamb. And he died to take our place. A place that we couldn't handle on our own because we don't meet the requirements. He died for all mankind, but not all went enter in into that salvation. So back to the picture. How is the ark a picture of the gospel? Well, the people needed a place, needed to place their faith in that ark. If they didn't place their faith by getting on that ark, they weren't going to receive the salvation. Just the same as we need to place our faith in Jesus. And if we don't, we also won't be included in that salvation that God's provided for us. It's provided, but we have to get on board. Um, the people in Noah's day needed to, to believe God, that they were sinners, and that God would punish them if they did not turn from their sins and trust him. The message hasn't changed today. It still has the same. We still have to turn from our wicked ways or we have to pay the consequences. I wanted to spend the rest of our time tonight actually looking at Enoch and what the Bible says about him and to answer the questions I brought up at the beginning. Why doesn't he taste death? What's so special with this man that God intercedes? Hebrews answers these things. Uh, in Hebrews 11, 5 and 6, it says, By faith Enoch was taken up, that he would not see death, and he was not found, because God took him up, for he obtained the witness uh, that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God, and without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Okay, as we read it in Hebrews 11, it is by faith that anyone uh, can please God. Uh, also listed in that chapter are Abel, Noah, Enoch, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Moses, and Rahab. They all came to God in the same way. They all came through faith. There wasn't a second way. They all came through faith. They, people today come the exact same way uh, after Jesus' death, before Jesus' death. It doesn't make any difference. The answer is the same. They all came by faith. And it's the only way that we can come. Um, some may say that they please God by the things that they did, but the Bible would disagree with them. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that, if, that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So, it's not a result of the works uh, that gets them into heaven. God dispels the idea that we can 
earn our way into heaven um, or be by being good enough that we can reach heaven. Instead, we have to place our trust in Jesus alone, not in anything else. It's not a, an addition question or a multiplication question. It's just Jesus alone. Uh, verse 10 talks about good works that we are called to do, but these good works are the result of Jesus working in and through our lives um, and we're a call, called to be a part of Christ and his church. Um, do you hear the subtle difference between the, the works, uh, that works do not earn salvation, but are a result of the work of God in our hearts? Um, James 2.24 says, you see then that man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Just to clarify again, you are not saved by your works. But if God has not changed your desires in your heart and given you a desire to serve him continually, then maybe your final destination is not heaven, but someplace else. Maybe it's time to ask God to come in and change you. Um, Bible doesn't exactly say why Enoch was removed from this world without dying, but my best educated guess is when I know about the Bible and his mind, that his mind, Enoch's mind, was continually thinking about the greatness of his God. And the faith that he put in the God that was going to save his soul. And I want you to think that Enoch was the perfect saint and that it was because Enoch was perfect that God took him. I don't believe that God, Enoch was without sin um, and therefore he was saved because of his goodness. But I think maybe something like this. Um, maybe as being a part of God's workmanship, God working in and through the life of Enoch, he reached a place where God said, you're where I want you to be. Um, and at that point, he said, let's go. Um, I don't know that for a fact. I'm making some suppositions by looking at the Bible in total and what we know about God and, and what we know about the two men that he did actually take up. Um, they were walking a life in faith, and I'm guessing that they were just ready, ready to go. Um, what can we learn from Enoch and what do we need to learn this last part is basically for Christians um, who are here tonight um, things that I say um, cannot be uh, accomplished by human desire 
but only to the people that Jesus owns their heart. We can all learn that our walk with God and Jesus um, is all that really matters in this world. Does that mean that we should stop raising our children, going to work, uh, many other daily routines that we go through? No. Um, but that we need to allow the Spirit to work um, uninhibited and freely, that we do what the Bible tells us to do, that we don't hinder the Spirit uh, from working in our lives by having things like unconfessed sin, um, that we have a Spirit that quenches the Spirit and is not willing to allow the Spirit to work in our lives. Those things can certainly keep God from taking us early. Um, those are some of the things we need to stop doing. Some of the things we need to start doing is reading and studying our Bibles more and doing what it says. Spending time alone in prayer, not just asking God for stuff, but looking to him to recognize him for who he is and what he can do in our lives. Um, trusting that he's all that we need and that we're sufficient um, in his word and how he can move in and through us. Um, to spend time telling other people about this wonderful news that we have that was never designed to be held to ourselves, that God has a desire for us to share it with our friends, our neighbors, with those that we come in contact with in this world who need to know that there are consequences to their behavior. There are eternal consequences that the shutting of the ark door, ark door is final. There is not another chance. Um, not to be lazy and think that we've got a lot of time to get this message out. But we need to share what we have in Jesus with the world because there's an urgency. That's the word I was looking for, urgency in the message. Um, we need to be urgent as we talk to other people and realize there's only so much time before the ark, close, or ark door closes and they don't have another chance. In other words, walk with God. Dear Lord, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word. 
Lord, we ask that we would be touched as we remember Enoch, as we look at his life of faith, as we recognize that God was working in and through him. Lord, we ask that you would do the same in our lives, that we would present our bodies a living sacrifice acceptable to you each and every day as we work, as we play with our children, that we share this message with the world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.